anyway, we are going to jump back into Luke chapter 1. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, we will be picking up this morning uh, in verse 36. So let me just read. And behold, even uh, though your uh, relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondservant of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now at this time Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed among the women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she uh, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul exalts in the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regard for the humble estate of his bondservant. For behold, from this time on, and all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is upon, the gener- upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were round in the thoughts of their hearts. Uh, he has brought down rulers from their thrones and exalted those who were humbled. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant. In remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. I just want to bring this to our attention that really in this first chapter of Luke that what we're going to find is there's more than one miraculous birth. I mean, they're very distinctly different from one another in in particular ways, but there's a sense in which, you know, Gabriel had gone to to Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, beforehand, before he appeared to her as we studied last week, and he announced to her that she would have a child. Uh, And we know this. We know that it's not the same thing. It wasn't an incarnation like we find with Christ Jesus, but it is miraculous in this sense. And that is the same terminology that's used there. It's the same terminology that was used for Sarah. That she was beyond, basically, she was of old age, beyond the years of childbearing. So now we have Mary going to her cousin. I was curious about this the other day, so I looked this up on the internet. How common has a birth out of wedlock become in our culture today? 
I would imagine far more common than most people think. Just let me throw some statistics at you. In 2017, there were 140 million births in the world. 15% of those were out of wedlock. In the United States, in 1964, the 8% of births were out of wedlock. In 2017, 40% of marriages were out of wedlock. It's amazing, too, when you look at the races, how there's some disparity here. Among whites, is 25%. Hispanics, is 53%. And they're traditionally Roman Catholics. Among blacks, it's 73% of children that are born in the United States today are born out of wedlock. Now, you may be saying this morning, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? This doesn't have much to do with Elizabeth, but there's a sense in which it has to do with Joseph and Mary, because you need to understand this. And that is, uh, until things became apparent to a lot of people, and I would imagine for some people it never became apparent, there was, there was probably a rumor mill in Nazareth, and as soon as the idea got out that Mary was pregnant, people would be coming to one or two conclusions, no other possibilities. The first one was this, is that she had been unfaithful to her betrothed Joseph. The other only option available to people would have been that uh, Joseph and Mary had, had relations, even though they were not officially married yet. My whole point here, guys and gals, is this, is you need to understand that in those days, something like this would have been absolutely scandalous. And I would imagine it was something that Mary and Joseph had to do. They left their whole lifetime, neighbors, maybe even the family, talking about, you know, what is going on here? All of a sudden, Mary is with child. Now, let me ask you, where would you have been if you had been one of those people, seeing the evidence of pregnancy beginning to develop eventually? And I say all this because I think it may have something to do with the fact that Mary left Nazareth and she went to Stay with her cousin Elizabeth, who lived at this time probably in Hebron or somewhere in the hill country of Judea, or yeah, Judea, where you find Jerusalem, and Bethlehem is there too, and there was a place called Hebron that was close by. And we remember that Zacharias was a priest and he was working in the temple. So it's very likely that he and Elizabeth lived close by. You wonder how well Elizabeth and Mary even knew one another because where they lived, they didn't live very close to one another. Uh, Mary lived all the way up in uh, Nazareth and, and like we said before, Elizabeth was here in the southern part of Judea. How much interaction did they have with one another? We, we live in a re- very remarkable day today and the fact that we have the ability to to go literally thousands of miles in just a few hours. Just think about how, how things were just 150 years ago. You could ride a train in those days, but you couldn't fly from coast or get from coast to coast uh, you know, in, just, uh, in less than a day in, in, in just in a few hours. In those days, even on a train moving that whole time, it would have taken you probably close to a week. 
But think about before that. If you went to visit anybody, how long it would take you to get to where you were going? Because you were very limited in your uh, travel options. Today we have lots of ways of getting to all kinds of places in very short periods of time. Uh, it's really opened the door up in a sense that we can be, in some sense, closer to relate relatives and to friends than we've been in the past. Because we can travel those, those large distances in a short period of time. But just remember the context of where Mary is. In those days, there was no train, there was no plane. You either got to where you went by walking on your own two feet or maybe riding a donkey if you happen to have a little bit of money, which most people in those days didn't. But for whatever reason, Mary leaves Nazareth and she goes to be with Elizabeth. And she stays there for nine months. Elizabeth was six months with a child when she got there, and she stayed there until just before John the Baptist was born. You wonder again what kind of relationship they had because there was a distance between them. Now, one of the most common things in those days was family would get together at the high, the, the, feast, the festivals, the high holy days, when, when everyone, for all the Jews from around, they would travel to Jerusalem and, and be there for a week, typically. Uh, and they would, and families would get together. A good example of this that we find is with Jesus. If you remember the story in Luke chapter 2, that they had gone to Passover when he was a young boy, and, uh, and he decided he was going to stay around after, after Mary and Joseph and the rest of the family left, and because there were so many family around, they didn't even miss him for the first day or two, and then they realized that Jesus wasn't with them, and they wound up going back to Jerusalem to look for him, and that's where they found him in the temple, uh, and that's where he said to Mary that I had to be about my father's business. Evidently, there was some relationship between Elizabeth and Mary. Elizabeth was older, considerably older than Mary. So it's not like they were cousins that were of the same age that had a lot in common with one another. But there's something about Elizabeth that gives Mary the kind of comfort she needs to be able to go to have a place of reprieve in a sense. <laughs> during this time of her pregnancy. You have to love Elizabeth's heart. And you can notice some things here, and one of those is this, is they don't have any conversation at all, and Elizabeth knows that she's pregnant. She knows somewhat the details of all of it without Mary telling her anything. How does that happen? Well, we're told here that, that, that Elizabeth is filled with a spirit. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit enlightens her to the reality of what is taking place here. You have to love Elizabeth's heart. You can imagine where some people might have a sense of envy if they found out or knew what was going on here. 
I don't know about you, but very often, I don't care what happens, one of the first things that pops into my mind is, how, what does it have to do with me, and how is it going to affect me? And we all know what envy and jealousy is. I don't think there's anybody in this room that is completely devoid of the sin of jealousy or envy ever. And so you might see where envy might creep into this picture a little bit. And Elizabeth might be saying to herself, and maybe even to Mary, why you and not me? I would be a better candidate. I'm older. You're just a little kid. But one of the neat things about this is you don't find any of that with Elizabeth at all. She rejoices heartfelt, fully, completely, absolutely in what God has done for Mary and what God is going to accomplish through Mary. She has a very great heart for God. And she rejoices in all of this because she sees this. She knows that this is the fulfillment of things that were foretold centuries, hundreds of years earlier. The coming of the one of the descendancy of David who would rule not only Israel, but rule the world with power and might. Notice here that the baby leaped in her womb. In other words, John the Baptist leaped in Elizabeth's womb just when Mary entered into the picture. And we know this. We know that uh, the baby Jesus was hardly even there at that point. He was still a little teeny tiny embryo. She hadn't really been, been started developing much in her pregnancy at all. And there's no way that anyone, without being told, would have known, unless it was enlightenment by God, as it was with Elizabeth, would have known that she was with child. But John the Baptist knew it. Even though he wasn't going to be born for another three months. And that enlightened, in a sense, Elizabeth to the reality of things. Again, we did have no record of any conversation taking place between Mary and Elizabeth about Mary's pregnancy at all. She just knows it all from the very get-go. She rejoices. She cries out with a loud voice. And declares Mary to be blessed among women. And blessed be the fruit of her womb. I mean, what an honor. What a unique thing. I mean, this is the only time, not only in history, but the only time in all of eternity that something like this has taken place or ever will take place. Can you imagine being Mary? Do you think it might have passed through your head at one time? Questions like, why me, Lord? Why would, why, would, why would you bestow such a great honor upon me? Why? And we don't know the answer to that question. 
but we know that God did. That God blessed both of these women in very great ways. But just remember the great joy that they have here with one another and in, in, in their pregnancies and and uh, in, in all that's encompassed here. Remember that both of them are going to suffer a great deal in life as a result of what's going on here. If you know anything about John the Baptist, he's the one who came preparing the way for Jesus, calling people to repentance and baptizing people, Jewish people, which was unheard of. He literally lost his head because of what he did. And this great joy that Elizabeth has on this day, I would imagine, turns into great heart-wrenching grief when that day comes. The same thing is true with Mary. As joyful as she is here as well, and you see this in in what's called the Magnificat here, or Mary's song, where she's rejoicing in the Lord for all of the great things that he has done for her. But just remember, she'll be there 30 years later at the foot of the cross, grieving, mourning, It's kind of a picture of life for all of us. And not just life in general, but life as a believer. That there will be times of great joy and great uh, exhilaration and great jubilance. When we will, be, we will feel so feel full of the Holy Spirit that, that there will be this this. this gladness, this joy welling up within us so greatly that we can't keep it in even if we try to. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've had those, those times in your life when you were filled with the Holy Spirit and, and there was such a great presence of the Lord in you that you couldn't keep it in. That you let it out. When was the last time you had a sense of being filled with God's Spirit like that? There's nothing like it. We were at a wedding yesterday, Lori and I, and just, I mean, a lot of celebration going on. People happy and jubilant, you know, and, and all of that. And you know, this, is, this is what this Christmas season really ought to bring to fore for us, to the forefront. And that is just this sense of celebration. And not just because of the birth of Jesus, but because of the, the ramifications of the birth of Jesus for people like us. That all of this was absolute necessity that you and I would have salvation, that we would have life in Christ. And I mean real life, not that dead stuff that we used to have. But living, breathing, spirit-filled and spirit-driven life. 
And one of the greatest hallmarks of that is gladness and joy and celebration. There are some people I know that, you know, I know they're believers, but it's like, when are you going to crack a smile? When are you going to let it go? Why do you insist on holding it in? I love what Evan did this morning. I love it. I love it. I love it. That microphone is yours anytime you want it, buddy. Because this kid is all about joy. You see it in his eyes. You see it in his smile. You see it in his life. He's a little child. We, we are all little children in the Lord. And sometimes we need to act like children. To just let it go. And don't worry about what the old skin flint behind you is going to think. The person that you wonder sometimes if they ever crack a smile that they've would surprise everybody. There's joy, guys. There is joy, there's gladness, there's jubilance. And you need to taste it. You need to be a part of it. It needs to be contagious among us. It needs to spread like wildfire. When you look at the ugliness of this world around us and some of the statistics we showed already, that is a bearing of just how dark it is out there and how how much ground, in essence, has been lost in just a few generations. It would be easy to be depressed, I think, and I think some people are really depressed because things are the way they are. But the solution to it is not to be depressed. The solution to it is to be a flame for Christ, to be a light in the darkness, to be joy in the gloom. To celebrate what God has done for you and for the people around you. God uses the strangest people. If you're sitting there today saying, There's no way that God could use me, then you may be in deep trouble. God uses the most unlikely people all the time to do wondrous and miraculous things. Here we have Elizabeth and Mary in their wildest imagination. They never could have seen anything like this coming, either one of them. To be used in such a magnificent and and exceptional way by God. Again, one of the things we need to draw from here is neither one of them saw themselves as being used like this. Not at all. 
You hear people say things like this sometimes. I could never do that. What's even more scary, sometimes you hear people say, I will, I will, I will never do that. As a new believer, uh, actually, Lori and I, when we went to Uganda, well, I didn't think it was any real exceptional thing. I just thought it was this adventure we were going on. It was really cool to go to Africa. I want to see all the animals and all that other kind of stuff and, and whatever. Uh, but I never forget when we got back, I was talking with uh, the wife of an ex-pastor, a retired pastor, and she looked at me and she said, Keith, I could never do something like that. I'm going, Really? That's nothing. That's absolutely nothing. You think that's something? It's nothing. Are you usable? Where you're at? I'm going to talk about Peggy Slade this morning. I've seen this woman come to life in the last year or two. There's something different about you, Peggy. You glow with joy. I mean, you do. It's, 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 it's contagious wherever you go. The first time I saw it was when I came to see you, when you were in the hospital after you had your hip surgery, right? And we talked. There was something distinctly different about you. And I think this is kind of what we're talking about. That you kind of let go. And the joy that is there is flowing out like a faucet. And you can't turn it off. You don't want to turn it off. It's who you are because of who he is. And what he's done for you. So celebrate. Celebrate the birth of Jesus. Celebrate your Savior. Celebrate the love of God that brought this to reality. Celebrate Mary. Celebrate Elizabeth that they were willing, desiring to be used by God that you and others would benefit from what they did. Be open, be willing, anytime, anywhere, to do anything God calls you to do, to be used by God. To spread his wondrous, magnificent gospel to every ear, to every heart, to every corner of this world. This little church could turn this whole world upside down. Somebody going, I He's God. He uses little, meaningless people all the time to accomplish unbelievable and magnificent things. You may be the next one in line. But he will give you opportunities.
Let me tell you, he's the master. We're the servants. We need to understand that we never, ever, not one time in our lifetime, ever have any right to tell God, no, I will not do that. Not once. Let it go. Enjoy life. And your Savior, for he has done great things for you.